Test one, two, test one, two. Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the vocal minority with Nick and Steve. Nick Reynolds, Steve Harness, and cousin Brewski. The vocal minority with Nick and Steve. Take one. Look at that. You already found us. It's the vocal minority with Nick and Steve, all of Brewski. If you're feeling down, feeling tired, and just beat up. I mean, you, you've come to the right place where we'll, maybe we'll motivate you. Maybe we'll make you further depressed. You'll have to stick around and find out. It's a grab bag. That's a good point, actually. Uh, find us on the website, thebulkofminority.net, and the social media. We were discussing a couple episodes ago that we've got a, another super fan out there that used to uh, listen to our original radio show, which is like 20 years ago at this point. Uh, has rediscovered us. But, Bruski, it's pretty funny. This guy is uh, sending me notes as he goes through the episodes. And okay. this guy feels so bad for me. He's listening to you know, <laughs> me going through the divorce, me getting you know, thrown out of the house with the fiance. And I just I feel terrible that my life is depressing this man. <laughs> you know? So funny, yeah. dude. That you're, I mean, he, you're, he's giving little snippets of, oh, man, I can't believe you got kicked out. <laughs> and Steve's like, oh, yeah, just wait to see what fucking happens. <laughs> it is funny. Anything yet. Right. I mean, it's kind of like I was telling Nick. It's like we... We watched a movie already that this guy's now watching, and I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't want to tell him how it all ends, but it's so funny to watch somebody live all of our lives, like, you know, a year and a half behind us. Yeah. And it yeah. bums me out that it bums him out to live vicariously through my life. <laughs> oh, do you actually feel bad about it, or are you just saying that, like, yeah, I feel bad, dude, or do you actually feel bad? I feel a little bad for the guy that wow. is dragging him down, and I feel a little bad for myself that I'm a story that other people are like, oh, man, that poor guy. You're a sob That's story, dude. Yes. Come on. Well, uh, and let's turn that frown upside down and get into the program, dude. Uh, big things are happening in your life, in your world. I feel like um, this is the year. 2024, all even numbers. I got to nail it this year or I'll never do it. And nail it. Well, nail multiple things, maybe. Well, I think that's a good sign, Steve. I, I, you're now meeting people that have bumps on their chest oh, and, yeah. you know, triangle fur below their waist. Uh, <laughs> how does it feel, dude? I mean, oh, to that's... get back into the game of dating and women. It's interesting that that's how you describe women, that that's where your brain goes to. Triangle fur. <laughs> I love the top of mind things that come out of our mouths on the show. I called a woman last week on the show a troll monkey. And I realized, like, I've never used that term in my life. And for some reason, I called a woman a troll monkey. Yeah. And it would fit. Speaking of the uh, triangle fur thing, back in the 70s, probably like 76, 77, Hustler Magazine came out with a cover that actually had, like, a close-up of a woman's crotch wearing a bikini bottom. And it had like oh. had pubes sticking out of it, mm. but no, no. But the best part about it, there was a sticker on the front of it because the cover was scratch and sniff. Uh -huh. really? Yes, it was. What is this? What did it smell like? Honest. Um, but the, when I got a hold of it, I was it was probably five years later on. So <laughs> it was teenage boy semen. <laughs> Who Dude, knows? Listen, I'm all I'm fine. I don't first of all, I don't want any bald on the on the poon patch, you know. Uh I don't like that. I don't want any bald. I want to feel like I'm making love to a woman, not a child, you know. So, I'm not I'm just not down with it. Hair, I like it. 
Uh, but if it gets unruly, we were talking about on the program last week, even when the three of us get unruly, like we'll just go shave it up a little a bit. A little wolfy? Yeah, a little wolfy. We don't need to do shapes or lines or anything like that, but just kind of manicure a little bit. That's kind of what my favorite is, unless it's going to be a very nice, on the thick side, landing strip. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a woman's crotch is not vanilla ice's eyebrows or whatever. Right. Like, you shouldn't be shaving lines and shapes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would not say a Rorschach this. test. <laughs> Back in my early 20s, I went on a date with this woman named Shelly. And we're at Shelly's apartment, and things are kind of happening. And um, I had my hand on her back, and then I went to her lower back. And I started feeling something, and something felt a little odd. Okay? By the time I got this woman naked, she had so much hair, it went from her pubic region all the way down up to the backside of the crack of her ass. Ooh, yeah. And it was, and it was, and it was, and it was, it was long, thick black hair, too. Wow. Uh, was she Greek? Italian. Okay. Same difference, I know. Yeah, uh, I will say this, that, uh, you know, there's women born with just a ton of hair, and I've seen that on the back before, too, to where it's just, like, goes up. Uh, I'm not matted. okay with it. Yeah, it was, I don't it was, like it. It was like Chewbacca. <laughs> oh, it was that long? Yes. Nick, Nick here's the thing. You have to get too explicit, and if you need to make a mark to, to edit this, uh, you can make a mark now. But I actually went down on this woman, and at one point I started gagging because the hair was reaching into the back of my throat and tickling my throat. In the back of your throat? Back of my tongue. It was it was tickling back there. I am not horny enough to power through anything like that, dude. I, 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 I can't believe you did that. I was 23. Listen, there were a lot of women I hooked up with in my early yeah. 20s. I look at back now, and I'm like, boy. Did I really need it that bad? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's impressive. That's yeah. like when I've uh, accidentally vacuumed up my dog's tail with the vacuum. It like sucks all the hair in there. It's just like tickling in the back of the back. <laughs> I'm sorry, dog. Let me get off there. That's uh, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. In a terrible, terrible so, way. But, but yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I am out in the. Uh, well, I haven't actually gotten out in the dating world yet. I have yet to go on a first date. I have a lot of conversations happening out there in the internet dating world, but yeah, get to meet a triangle patch and uh, two bumps on the front. Is that what you describe them as? Yeah, a little two lumpies on the chesticles. A little got the Fergie thing going on. Yeah, that's my right. Lumps. Yeah, <laughs> my lovely lady lumps. Yes. Uh, yeah, listen, Steve talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago how this is cuffing season. This is the time of year when everybody. What's say it again? post-cuffing season. We're outside of cuffing season now. I so don't even know really what cuffing means. What I, I don't understand I the like, terminology. I think it's like handcuffing yourself to someone. You oh, know, that could that be. Sort of thing. Uh, I don't, know, well, that makes I don't sense. know where it came from, but I just know what it is from the dating coach telling us. The cuffing season is when you head into the holidays. The people will either stay in a bad relationship because they don't want to break up and be single during the holidays, or they'll couple up with someone that they're really not that interested in, but they want to bring someone home for Christmas. So Have company. Right. So then what happens is when the holidays end, all of these relationships end. And so people go out there and start dating fresh. So the according to, you know, Hinge and Match.com and Tinder, they all have the analytics to prove that the biggest single spike in online dating is from the first Sunday in January to Valentine's Day. 
So this is uh, this is mating dating season out there right now. So <laughs> if you're, you're going to be in the game, this is when the draft is happening. So better throw your hat in the ring. And, and you found it to be true. I mean, I we wondered, like, is that true? And then this year you got to see, right? And it's the most activity you've seen yeah. in your small town, yeah. Jason Aldean? Well, in a radius, because I'm still having trouble in my small town, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But first of all, the, the dating coach told me how to set my profile up correctly from the start this time. I took out some of the dumb things I had said before. So I think I put my best foot forward on this. But yeah, I mean, before the most conversations I ever had going on was maybe like five or six. I have 17 conversations happening right now. Wow. And most of them are non-starters. I'm doing it for the the practice of it or whatever, just seeing where it goes. But you should tell them that. They, people are flattered by that usually. I'm about to. I'm about to start <laughs> unmatching with some of these people. And I feel terrible because I've gotten ghosted on these things before. And I don't really want to do it to someone. But I, do, I, do I really need to tell some stranger like, hey, we're actually really not interested in you. So No, I don't think so. I mean, you know what? I would type up a three-line uh, text box or whatever that you can send to all of them that just says, hey, you know, it's nice to get to talk to you. I wish you well in the future. Boom. I have COVID and AIDS, so I'm going to let you up. Yeah, hey, see, Brewski's a, a romantic, so maybe I'll do that. But Well, that, that, I took that from Derek Jeter. When Derek Jeter would hook up with chicks in the morning, he would get up before the women did and he would leave his bedroom and he would go to another part of his house. And then when the women woke up, his um, butler would, you know, bring them a cup of coffee. And then on their way out, they would get a gift basket. And there was he, Mr. Jeter <laughs> thanks you. And oh, yeah, it was filled with things like, you know, lotion Caramel and all and stuff like that. Yeah. No, no, like no. Like going all, to the Oscars. You get a little no, goodie no, bag to take no, home. This was, but it was all really like top notch stuff. Like uh-huh. stuff that you would spend a lot of money on it, like Saks Fifth Avenue. That so, cuts yeah. down on the uh, rape allegations if you give them nice stuff on the way out. Does that. So, well, yeah. I have realized, uh, you know, Nick is my. Uh, I don't know, my Sereno, he's my Mr. Miyagi, he's my sort of mentor shadowing me through this dating process, even though Nick has not been on a first date or whatever in, what, 17 years, 14, 15? How, how 16, long? 16, 16 years, yeah. You know, A, I need the backup, B, I want to keep reminding Nick to take care of that relationship, goddammit, because you don't want to be dating. Nope. There's an element of fun, quote-unquote, to this, but it's mainly miserable, and I want to jump off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I take it to heart. I, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, but somehow I've realized Nick is the uh, the woman whisperer or the first date whisperer. Like he's analyzing these women in ways that it turns out to be totally correct. Where when you first tell me some of these things, I'm like, oh come on, but you've been proven correct multiple times. You know what I think, and I appreciate that acknowledgement because I work very hard at this. But <laughs> yeah. I would like you to know that this is what only comes through unclouded eyes. Um, I'm not horny for these women. I'm not. Uh, you know, seeking this relationship. So I could just take it for the uh, screws and, and uh, you know, nuts. Right, right. You're a fan of the draft. You're, you're, not, you're not drafting these people yourselves. You're just looking That's at the right. raw numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's clever. Well, so we talked uh, an episode or two ago about this Bible thumper. And like Brewski said, you know, my hometown here, I live in this very small mountain town. And in my rounds of dating over the last four years, never have I ever met a woman in this town. There's been a few on the apps, but it's never gone anywhere. I've never actually gone on a date with someone who lives here. Because he didn't sync up with anyone who lived in that town, right? No, I mean, it's either slim pickings or it's just not a good match and it's never gone anywhere. And uh, yeah, Yeah. everyone I've dated over these last four years is an hour away and that's wearing thin on me. But 
So I was saying that I found a, an attractive single mom. Her kids were older. Uh, she was attractive. She lived in this town. She was attractive. So these were the <laughs> things that stood out to me that, hey, wait a minute, there's a good-looking mom in my town. But we found out on her profile she listed herself as a Christian. In case you've never listened to the show, I'm not a big fan of organized religion. I tend to offend people that are. And so, Nick, what was your thought? Because I said, listen, I can look the other way if you're not going to shove religion in my face. If I can sleep in on Sunday and you go to church, like, I think we can make this work. Yeah, I said, there's no way, dude. There's no way. Okay, because first of all, if someone is uh, actively religious, because, uh, you know, there's some people who are just religious, but they're not real active about it. She goes to church every Sunday, sings with a choir. Uh, if she, I think just for the hard moments in life, especially, or just even in the day to day, because, I mean, she kind of said this now after I made this prediction that, like, I need day-to-day in my life. Like, I listen to worship music during the day when I'm having a bad day. You know, this you is want what to hear gets her me through. Yeah, I do oh, want to boy. hear it. All right, here you go. So I very benignly, Brewski, I just asked her, like, you know, because it was getting to the point where we were going to go out on a first date. And sure. I said, hey, you know, I notice on your profile you say you're a Christian. Now, I will tell you, I we have a friend in common in this town, so I did a little oppo research ahead of time. Okay, and my friend told me, like, yeah, she does go to church a lot. She doesn't usually talk much about it around me. And, you know, her ex is kind of a real douchebag that didn't treat her very well. And so I was thinking, like, all right, let me just feel this woman out and see sure. how religious are you. I said, I see you're a Christian. I'm agnostic. Is that an issue? I have my own views on higher powers of this universe. I'm a very moral person that believes in treating others well. I always protect those in my circle, and I've treated every woman I've been with uh, like a queen. That is, unfortunately, let some people take advantage of me, but blah, blah, blah. So that's sorry, what Dave. you wrote to her. Yes. Yeah, so okay. that, that's that's a more than reasonable response. You told her, I have good things about me. I'm circumcised. I got my son circumcised. I'm not religious. Okay. So continue. I'm religious from the waist down. I mean, <laughs> pray to this idol. So she writes back and says, I didn't notice that you were agnostic on your profile. Faith is very important to me, and I don't understand agnostic. I could get you a dictionary if that would help. <laughs> this could definitely be a deal breaker for us. I attend church every Sunday. I love listening to worship music on Sundays or whenever I need the higher powers to help me resolve feelings in me or change the way I'm thinking and behaving. I turn to God a lot every day and like to pray, especially with the one I'm sharing my life with, which her ex has to have been religious and he was apparently a douchebag. So what yes. does that tell you? Yeah. Uh, she says, you may not be interested in a woman who loves God as much as I do. I volunteer at the church. I, I've worked at the nursery. Um, I honestly don't know if I could be with someone who didn't believe in God and uh, that he was created to die for our sins. So uh, she ends it with saying that uh, I'm definitely torn by this. Did you take so, the high road? I mean, first of all, you should be torn by it because look, you're letting your religion step on somebody who you thought was a perfectly nice guy that you wanted to date, but because I'm not part of your club, now this is all a deal breaker. Right. And you'll notice I didn't tell her, like, I think it might be a deal breaker too. I was just playing neutral to see what she would say. And yes, right. I did take the high road back because it's a small town and we do have friends in common. I just told her, hey, you deserve to be with someone that shares your views. So, you know, best of luck to you. Good for you. But Good for um, you. yeah, I should have torn her a new one or no, out no, 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 no. That's it. <laughs> you know? it, 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 it. It'd be one thing if you didn't have anybody in common that you knew, because right. then you could do free reign. But then if you do that, 
then she's going to start going back to the people you know and exactly. say Steve was a jerk, and then you look like a jerk, you know? Yep. Nope, totally true. So, yeah, Nick predicted that one, nailed it right on the head. No way me and some staunchly religious person are going to possibly ever work out. So, Nope, it's not going to happen, dude. I'm sorry to tell you. Yep. And then I was talking about this uh, woman who was just insanely good looking, you know, early thirties, this beautiful blonde clearly has done modeling work and, you know, she seemed interesting. She does voiceover work. She was the voice of uh, one of the Zelda characters in one of the Nintendo games. So I'm like, all right, like she's good looking. She's voiceover. Like I do voiceover. Hey, we got something in common. Yeah. I find people with shared interests. That's a big deal to me. So, but Nick, you know, I pointed out on the show that on her category of, you know, drugs, cigarettes, marijuana, and alcohol, she said no to all of them. And there's the option to either say yes, no, or sometimes. So when somebody says no to every substance, that makes me wonder, why are you sober like that? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Nick, what was your prediction on this woman? Uh, She's old enough, I felt, to have had a problem, you know, like uh, she probably had a problem with something and now she's sober. Right. So I asked her, hey, I noticed you're uh, sober. Like, you know, uh, what's the story behind that? I like to have a drink every now and again. And she writes back and is like, uh, yeah, I had a real problem before. And uh, actually, I fell off the wagon a couple of nights ago. So I guess I'm not (laughs) technically sober. And Anytime someone says, why don't you drink? I say, do you want me to come to your fucking house and burn it down? (laughs) Wow. Did you move on from that one too? Well, I told Nick, like, I shouldn't be closing doors entirely, right? She's just kind of feisty, that's all. Like, dude, do not tease an addict that's trying to get over it. Like, they do not need to be enticed into your world. She's a straight-up addict, and then that definitely hurt my ego, because I'm like, she's like, she fell off the wagon two nights ago. Hey, that's when you first started messaging me. (laughs) So you're you're telling me you were up on drugs, alcohol, whatever, and then you thought it was a good idea to talk to me. (laughs) My ego is feeling so good that this beautiful woman was talking to me, but only because you're shit-faced. Well, you know, that's... um response about her coming over and burning down a house it just reminded me of that that snl bit the happy fun ball one so oh yeah fun ball yeah do not taunt happy fun ball right. <laughs> you yes. know that's yeah. something yeah it's exactly a happy fun ball it, it seems like it'd be a fun thing to play around with but when you read the disclaimers you realize it's going to kill you so <laughs> you might as well put the ball down Right. So, yes. So, uh, Nick has been uh, doing pretty well on his predictions on there. Oh, so. my goodness. But, um, you know, listen, I'm not going to get into the in-depth story at this point, but I've, I've got two of the 17 that I'm, I'm actually am interested in. So I'm trying to see where those go. And I, I do, I think, have a first date set up with one of them coming up in a week and a half here. So we'll see where any of this goes. But I am so used to women being crazy, flaking, ghosting you. I don't believe anyone until they're sitting in front of you and they're not... You know, they don't have a knife behind their back or whatever. So Even then, sometimes you can't believe them, dude. I mean, exactly. Huh. Sometimes you're with them for a couple of years. You're engaged to be married, <laughs> and you still don't know how crazy they are. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a little jaded on that whole world. So the big uh, key words I'm going with are cautiously optimistic. Key words, cautiously. <laughs> I think that's good, dude. I think that's a good place to be. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, so yeah, Brewski and I are both on the uh, dating apps. Uh, oh, no, no, no. No, your... no, no, we're not. Oh, no, you're off them entirely? Completely done. Oh. I'm, I'm benching myself. Venting yourself? No, benching, benching. Oh, benching. Okay, okay. 
from the online world or from dating in general? Like you're not getting hit on a woman at Starbucks or something? If that happens, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll talk to somebody at a show or something like that. But I've deleted all the apps off my phone. Wow, okay. Out of frustration? Yeah, was there a tipping point that pushed you to that? Or It's been 10 years, and, and I haven't met anybody, really. I will say that there was one woman that I looked at on Tinder who obviously made it uh, known that she was not looking for a hookup, which is fine. Yeah. But in her profile, she said, edit, I have 7,560 likes. Give me time to go through them, guys, and I'll get back to you. Now, this woman wasn't amazingly beautiful. She was okay, you know, but she had over 7,000 likes. Competition out there is crazy. That, and then, like I told you guys, when I was on OkCupid, the only people that were liking me were women that obviously did not read my profile entirely because they're super religious or yeah. they're from Kenya or Nigeria. Looking for citizenship or... Uh... Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's who's liking my profile and not women in my, my own area, then I'm just not going to do anything. It is tough. And I would imagine it's a catch-22 being a big city. There's more options out there, but then there's more competition. There's going to be more catfish, more scammers, all that kind of stuff. Well, and the thing about it is, is like I've gone through and edited my profile. I've I've brought it down to be more manageable. So you're not reading a whole lot of stuff, but mm. I make sure that everything on there is projecting the best of me well, yeah. without sounding bitter or anything like that. I'm just not getting any any responses. So I've just decided rather than being disappointed, I'm just going to get off the apps. We'll see what happens when I go to Viva in April. That's right your there. opportunity to be a like-minded person that enjoys some of the same things you do. And I, I think that's what's going to be good for you, Brewski. I yeah. think that, uh, you know, events like that, because you are uh, where Steve doesn't want to talk to somebody at Starbucks or, you know, somewhere anywhere. You don't mind. Yeah. You don't mind talking to people and you can start a conversation with people about anything. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and they also say sometimes when you stop, that's just seems to be when it happens, dude. I say some people believe the energy of the universe would tell you that now that you're giving up on it is when you know you're going to meet someone at Starbucks next week, so. right? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm not worried about it. If it happens, it happens. I'm not. I'm not like one of those folks that feels like incomplete or I'm missing my puzzle piece or something like that. Mm. If it happens, it happens. Yeah, see, I am no, that person. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, but that's the thing, though, is, is everybody is different. Well, I will tell you, the dating math that I have figured out, so I have 17 conversations going right now. I will guarantee you 12 of them are just waste of time. They're not real. <laughs> like, you've got to – it is a numbers game. You know, you've sure. got to filter out all these waste ones, and I, I know that there's a lot of wasted space going on there. But Sure. And like I, I mentioned, will... there's a, a prospect or two, and so I've started to think of late about getting back out into the dating world and what that'll really look like. And I, I was thinking the other day, like normally when I start a relationship, I mean, not the first date or anything, but early on, I tend to be the kind of guy that lays all my cards out there. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, terrible things that have happened to me, problems with exes, fun things that have happened to me, good things. Like I put it all out there. And often it backfires on me because I've been with women who in the middle of an argument decide to take the thing you confided in them over and they'll just turn it into a weapon in the middle of a fight. This is a sign of a terrible person, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And it's pretty much panned out to be that way with everyone who's done it. But I've been pondering this notion and I brought it up to some extent earlier uh, that, you know, this podcast, 
this podcast to somebody who doesn't know me very well could be a deal breaker right away with some of my, you know, sense of humor or religious, you know, tirades I've gone on. So, yeah, I've started to wonder, like, how how upfront, how honest should I be? Maybe I've screwed it up so many times in the past that maybe this time it's just a fresh start. Tell me about your ex. No. <laughs> you know, why'd you get divorced? You know, give a one sentence answer and then just move on. Never bring it up again. Like, hey, things just happen, you know? You have uh, an inclination to uh, just see, tell your story and everything else and get it out there. And uh, there is a certain part of you, I'm sure, that's like, you know, take it or leave it. Like, this is me for better or for worse. But sometimes people overshare too soon. Uh, if I if I'm comfortable with somebody and I'm you know having a conversation and I'm really vibing, I mean it's not out of the question. I'll tell you this: I met a guy. Uh, his name's Monte, and I keep in touch with him still to this day. But we were at a resort in Mexico, and his girlfriend was laying in the sun. Rachel was laying in the sun. We were both in the pool. I started chatting with him, and five minutes later, we're both crying, talking about our fathers and how they died. And, you know, like, uh, right. I, if I'm vibing with you, like, I'll just open myself up and wear my heart on my sleeve. And a lot of people, that makes uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I will say in mainly my defense, I don't do it super soon. I mean, it's it's not even in the first couple of months. I saw an interesting uh, piece on the NBC Morning News today that sort of fell right in line with this. Let me just read the article here real quick. The headline is, nearly one in four people are hiding a financial secret from their partner. A new Ooh. study from uh, bank, uh, bankrate.com. They surveyed 2,500 people. Uh, they found that uh, 39% of adults who are married or living with their partner said they have kept a financial secret from them. More than half of those adults say financial cheating is as bad as physical cheating. Just for clarity, is this, uh, I'm keeping a secret about maybe my financial past, or is this, I'm married now and I do this financially and you have no idea? I think it's both because part of this article talks about that some people have separate bank accounts even when they're married, which mm -hmm. I find to be preposterous. You know, I was always pool the money and well, I'm not hiding anything, but some of these people have pooled the money and then they don't realize their spouse has a separate account somewhere else. Right. Or they don't realize there's some, you know, tax debt in their background. They got to lean against them or they, you know, they declared bankruptcy, you know, five years ago and now they yeah. still can't get a house or a loan or. Yeah. So it's, it's a combination of that. And then I found another article that had this whole list of things that they say you shouldn't be sharing with anyone. So. As I'm getting back out into the world, I thought we would dissect some of these things. I value both of your opinions, and I'm pretty sure I've repeatedly screwed up my love life, so I don't even think I should be trusting myself. <laughs> so I'm it's so interesting. I'm, I'm curious about it, too, because uh, maybe I'm one of those people who believe, well, like, for instance, with my wife, uh, I don't know that I have any secrets from her. You know, and maybe we'll see on this list that's a bad thing. There's some things I should have kept to myself, maybe. The uh, financial secret. I mean, th that was one of the things. I mean, it's really not a big deal. It drove me nuts for a long time. But I've got IRS tax debt that I've come clean and I'm on a payment plan and, you know, I'm not getting arrested or anything. But, yeah, I got tax debt. This was a big burden I had for a long time where I really felt guilty and terrible about it. And that would be a financial secret that I did a year and a half in with one terrible human. Anytime we get in a fight, she'd be like, oh, who are you to say, Mr. Debt with the IRS? You can't even figure out how to add two and two. How would I be a trusted? Oh, link? my God. Well, that girl oh. even threw it around publicly in front of other people. Yes. Oh, jeez. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. 
So, yeah, so this is where I'm wondering, like, what should I be sharing and what shouldn't I? Because part uh, of me feels like, yeah, you got to air all your secrets and get them out there so they don't haunt you because that's my thing. Like, I feel this burden of, you know, I don't want you to stumble on it someday well, and think I was keeping it from you, but maybe no one's not your fucking business. I think that uh, you're only obligated, in my moral opinion, to if you're going to marry, because you, uh, whoever you marry is going to also take on that tax debt once mm-hmm. you guys are married. So. Yep. Then you have that moral obligation, I feel like. But if you're just girlfriend, boyfriend, I mean, I don't see why there's any reason to tell them. Yeah, there's a weird tipping point there, though, because at one point you have to then acknowledge these things that, yeah, I haven't been telling you for the last year because I just thought you were someone I was hanging out with and didn't know where this was going. So, right. You know, and is that fair to that person because they didn't have the full picture of your life? And- oh, but th- they don't need to know every single detail of your life like that. It's not like you're hiding a criminal past. Like, right. like I did, I, I served time for child molestation or mm. something like that. That's something they would want to know. Okay. Well, we've all, we've all had problems in the past with money, every single person, yeah, you yeah. know, and I think everybody wants to pay their, their obligations, but things happen and I, <clears throat> that's your personal business. And when it comes to a point where you're going to be serious with somebody at that point, then maybe you share those things with them. But until then it's not their business. Well, let's run through this list and see if uh, accused pedophilia or any of these other things are <laughs> on this list. Are you a sex offender? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you, dude. It's a good first date conversation. <laughs> uh, and again, this article is actually saying these are things you shouldn't share with anyone you're in a relationship with, which could mean romantic or friendships. Okay. So the first one on the list is your income. Should you be sharing this with anyone, I guess? But certainly, let's assume this isn't just a casual girlfriend. Let's assume your things are getting serious. Do you share your income? I guess, you know what? If she's seen me poop, I'll tell her my salary. Okay? <laughs> like, this is the comfort level, okay? How far were you and Rachel in before you two discussed each other's numbers? And who brought it up first? Uh, I think the first time I knew... Uh, a salary that she made was when we were dating and living together uh, and she got a new job. So she was like, they're offering this. So that's how I knew. But the job that I've had most of our relationship, you know, she knows what I make because we're married. I mean, it goes oh, into yeah. the same bank account. So, yeah, yeah. I will tell you, I should have seen it as a red flag. I dated a CPA once and she was an auditor of companies. And very early on in the relationship, she was grilling me on business practices and my salary. And I just wrote it off to, oh, this is what she does for a living. She must be serious if she wants to know what our financial prospects are and all that stuff. But it was way too early in the relationship for somebody to be grilling you. It's one thing if I offered it up, but to be grilled about yeah. it in reverse. Or if you if you were hiring her as your CPA, then, then that right. those are valid questions to ask. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next one on this list, this has unfortunately become an issue for me as well. Uh, sharing your family issues, the skeletons in the closet. I don't want to throw either of my parents under the bus, but I will just say I'll, I'll put it out there for both of them so no one can figure out who I'm talking about per se. But, you know, one of my parents did some messed up things in the past. And part of me wants to share it as part of, uh, you know, things that I've learned from, things that happened to me when I, you know, I was sure. Young. But I don't want somebody to think that because one of my parents did something that I'm going to do that thing. Yeah. And this has bitten me in the ass before where I, you know, I told a story about one parent and they were like, oh, well, are you that kind of person too then? Hmm. And the point of my story, by the way, was no, I'm not that kind of person. Yeah, that's presumptuous. 
Yeah, but a lot of women, if you say, like, you know, I've got an arsonist in the family, like, well, are you an arsonist too? Like, <laughs> what right. like, what's the tipping point on sharing with somebody to, you know, have a bond there? But, you know, maybe they share about, you know, an abusive parent and you say, oh, I've got, you know, there's some abuse in my background too. Like, these are months in, you know, yes. because it could go either way. I mean, you could bring something up that also is a red flag to them. You could bring up this behavior happened in my family and they think, like, man i that just spells it all out i don't want anything to do with this so i think maybe five six months in you can start having these personal stories about like this is how this shaped me you know what you're talking about um i don't think you need to give that up right away there's a common theme already uh, emerging here that at a certain stage it is appropriate to be sharing some of these sure But boy, how do you determine that tipping point and how do you not make it look like you've been hiding things? The stuff you're talking about, I don't think that's hiding. That's like, uh, you know what, I want to know you deeply enough that I don't tell this on the street corner. You know, like this is my private personal past and some of it's painful, some of it's good. Like, I don't tell you until I'm comfortable with it. And I know, by the way, that I can trust you with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, And any person would understand that. Because it is your personal business. It's just like you wouldn't expect them to lay everything out to you. Have that same sort of courtesy back, you know? If you were dating a girl. I do want to be dating a girl. That is a good scenario to think about. With chesticles. I mean, some knobs (laughs) and stuff like that. So you're dating her. And let's just say she's been molested when she was young. Mm-hmm. there's no reason for you to know that now listen this is important information because as we know uh sexual survivors uh that that changes them oftentimes as a person and it shapes their life for the future so yep. yes it's information that somebody in a relationship at some point needs to know but you would never be like why didn't you tell me you were molested six months ago like mm-hmm. i mean you know what i mean that's a good that's question Listen, uh, you guys know I had a relationship in Seattle, a woman that, you know, several months in, she realized she had, you know, repressed memories came back. She'd been molested by her father. It spiraled for years of therapy and heartache. The relationship didn't work out. And I always kind of thought to myself, like, I I don't know that I ever want to date somebody with, you know, sexual abuse in their background. Now, later in life, post-divorce here... On my first date with uh, the CPA, she admitted that she had abuse in her background and she had been through some heavy, you know, therapy to deal with, you know, sexual issues. And I thought right then, like, red flag, red flag, like, this, you can't go down this path again. And I chose to ignore it. And she turned out to be crazy and the whole relationship imploded. And so maybe I do want to know that sooner than later. Like, what sort of skeletons are you hiding? Because some of them are maybe a deal breaker. You cannot just write off all people who may have had something happen to them sexually in their past, obviously, because uh, A, it's not fair. But B, how many, like uh, seven out of 10 women? have been assaulted in some way so you're really limiting your pool at that point uh but i think it's more important to know like throughout that six months you'll know if they're the kind of the person even if you don't know they've been molested you'll know they're the type of person that believes in therapy that believes on working on themselves so if you feel comfortable with that you know you'll be comfortable when they finally tell you 
In theory. I remember years ago when I was dating this woman in Seattle, I was a big fan of Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. Yeah. And a guy called in with almost my exact same scenario of, you know, my girlfriend who was molested when she was a kid. And, and Adam Carolla jumped in and said, dump her right now. Oh, yeah. And the, you know, Dr. Drew and the caller were both like, come on, like therapy can work. A pro-. He was like, dude, you are going down a black hole and I'm telling you, just dump her. And I was just so like offended that Corolla said that. And now I'm like, I wish I had listened to his advice. Just get out while you can. This, this is not going anywhere positive. It may be a harsh reality, uh, you know, to say that, but oftentimes it can be true. I also think it, it matters on whether or not they end up with the right person. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a tough Solving one. Handle. Yes, it is. Uh, here's another one I've been dealing with that uh, backfired on me with a previous woman probably the same woman I've been referencing repeatedly, uh, your health problems. Should you be sharing your health problems with your uh, your new person? The woman I was with that I started sharing things turned into a hypochondriac on me. She was that- then like, well, every time I would sneeze, she would be like, you must have lung cancer. Why are you sneezing? <laughs> like, <laughs> he was constantly looking for ailments. This lady sounds like such a whore, dude. Yeah, hindsight's uh, twenty twenty. So Yeah. Why would she be worried about a sneeze and cancer, dude? Why did she? I mean, she was really must have I told, been. I, I used to keep a list of all of the ailments she accused me of having because I started <laughs> yeah. to find it comical. I do remember I mean, that. she accused me of everything from, like, shingles and COVID to cancer to dyslexia. I mean, it was just humorous to me. But, yeah, she turned out to be a little nuts. So, you know, how often... You know, Nick, you've you've said on the show before, you have MS. Brewski, you have a heart condition with a, yeah. you know. So when did you guys start to share these things with your people? It's a great question, dude. I remember the moment I shared it with Rachel, okay? First of all, I had to get a little liquored up to do it because I was nervous. Because MS, like we were just talking about sexual abuse. Not that I'm comparing the two at all, but um, this is this is going to affect whoever I'm with. Right. Uh, not only monetarily, but emotionally, um, you know. Yeah. So it's something I feel like uh, I needed to tell Rachel. I was so nervous about it because at the time I knew she liked me and we'd known each other for years. So I knew she was still going to be my friend. But I have to tell you, I was really insecure about telling her because I understand the weight of it. You know what I mean? Like, and I would, uh, I obviously would have been so sad, but I would have understood logically if she would have chose to step away and be like, I'm just, you know, that's not what I want to sign up for. Right. So it was probably six months in and mm-hmm. we were at a bar <laughs> and I got a little drunk enough that I was like, Hey, I got to talk to you. And she was like, you're scaring me. <laughs> you know what? Why? Just tell me. Yeah. And and then I finally did, but it was the appropriate amount of time. And did, was that sort of haunting you for those six months, knowing that someday I got to tell her? Yes. Yeah. Be, you know, because there were so many things that, uh, there's so many things with MS that I have to plan my life around. And not everybody needs to do that. And I sure don't want to be a burden and make somebody do that. You know, so yeah, yeah, it was eating at me for sure. Brewski, how about you with Jen? Uh, how, how, when well, did you tell her about the heart condition? Well, that's it. The thing about me though is, is that when you touch my chest and and you can you can feel a foreign object inside <laughs> the, my pectoral muscle, I think maybe this is probably like, yeah. hey, it's what time, the heck's up with this? You smell a little tell bit of cigarettes or something? You know? Did you tell her like very quickly on, or what are you saying? Probably within 
three months probably because obviously when you see me naked <laughs> you know when you see these scars on my chest it's kind of obvious something's going on there yeah. but i mean i could have played it off by saying oh yeah i got, got stabbed or something like that i'm the bionic but, man yeah. yeah exactly and there's some i understand too there's some logic there because you guys are both dealing with a chronic issue that's here now and it's going to continue to be with you yeah so that makes you know that makes a little more sense and the burden that I, I imagine you know you nick especially were feeling like yeah if i was you i would have wanted to get that over with as quickly as possible just so i would know but you're right you can't do it too quickly because there's no right. foundation there thinking back on it like i think i must have thought and i don't remember thinking this but i must have thought like uh i want her to like me enough you know, if this is date number two, she'll just be like, you're really nice. You know, we can go to football games every once in a while, you know, but no. What about an issue you had that is now gone? And uh, we haven't talked about this on the show yet, and I'm not getting into the whole story, but I developed a rare form of skin cancer this past year, and I had to have an operation. It was in a highly sensitive part of my body and, uh, you know, scared the crap out of me, but surgery worked. It's all gone and clear. Is that something you share at some point or it's, you know, it's done, it's over. I don't really want to talk about it. So whose business is it? I'm just going to take your situation, okay? Because I can't think of anything for mine that I've got past that I could talk about that way. But I would only say it would be necessary or uh, to, to tell somebody that. Uh, if you were trying to say like, Hey, I've been here before we'll get through this, you know, this happened to me when I was this age, you know, otherwise, yeah, I don't know, dude. I mean, that, that's definitely a conversation that's way down the line. It's not first six months, even conversation. What if like Brewski was saying naked and like, Hey, what's that scar you got there? What's that about? Yeah. Do you lie? Or do you say like, well, it's a whole story. Let me tell you. Or maybe you say, you know, that's a whole story uh, with a good outcome, and I'll have to tell you someday. I don't know. May, I don't know. I, it I'll all you. has to come <laughs> down with your, you being comfortable, dude. If you're comfortable, I, I would say go for it. But put some thought into some of these things. Don't just be like, oh, on date number two, be like, oh, I'm going to tell her this tonight. You know, and, uh, you know, this is things you need to think about. And you need to think about your delivery and you need to, you know, think about how that conversation might go. Yeah. All right. Oh. What just happened? I don't know. You okay? I had a terrible fucking cramp in my side. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Wow, I was thinking the worst. Watching, uh, Nick just leapt out of his chair with a moan and groan. Ooh. Have we known each other long enough for you to tell me what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Did you just get a Charlie horse, uh, oh, horse out of nowhere? In the, oh. in the back of my thigh, dude. Oh, your hamstring. Oh. Yeah, my hamstring. Oh, oh God, dude. Yeah. No, I'm okay. It's dying down now. Mm. All right. You, you're good? Yep, I'm good. All right. Let's bust through a few more of these things. Uh, here's a great one. Your spiritual beliefs. At what point should you be discussing that? I think it's before date one, personally, as I've articulated already. It's why it's on my profile. It is on dating profiles. What is your religion? So Yes. Yeah, I think so. it's, uh, yeah, that's a no-brainer right up front. I yeah. think that, that should go along with um, Politics, whether you're a vegetarian or not. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> agree, Think Bruce about it. If you're planning a date and you want to take her to a steakhouse, you don't want to be surprised by her saying, oh, I don't eat meat. And yes. then you're like, well, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have argued many times politics and religion. I think you get that stuff out of the way immediately because I don't think it's going to work, especially politics. 
But this article is saying this is your personal business you shouldn't share. I don't believe that with friends or girlfriends. That You know, well, they used to go back to when we were a kid and they said, you know, politics and religion, you don't discuss. The world has changed for sure. You know, like um, you used to not talk about that stuff. We didn't make it a better world. I don't know. I just think that it hid things. Uh, yes. You know, but, I mean, you're just being polite. You're not actually being honest with anybody. You're just like, you're not telling them. That's all. You're not lying. You're just not telling them. Yeah. Great. A uh, great example is one of my neighbors. They've moved away. When I met them, they were just nice people, and we were neighborly to each other, walking out to the mailbox, you know, hi, uh, maybe have a drink once in a while at one of our houses. Then I found out their politics, and they found out mine. And, you know, we still said hello every once in a while, but we did never go to their house anymore, and they didn't come to ours. So, yeah. I think there was a time in our country where politics weren't so divisive, and maybe to some extent religion wasn't quite as divisive, but... Uh, you know, it definitely is nowadays, as we've talked about, politics nowadays speak to your moral compass, how you view other humans in this world. Yes. And this religious woman we were talking about earlier, could you imagine if she and I went out on several dates and we're like, hey, I really like you. And now we discover, oh, you're staunchly Christian and would never be with someone like me. Like, get that shit out of the way up front. In case anybody doesn't know, God calls it an abomination. Uh, the next one on the list, we were just talking about childhood traumas. Should you be sharing skeletons, uh, child molestation, and all that kind of stuff? Like, not right away, probably, but at some point, if it's still an issue for you, I think you have to confess these things. Like, yeah. if I can't touch you a certain way because I'm going to remind you of Uncle John. Like, you probably know that. <laughs> Uncle John, dude. Is, who is that? It's you always the uncle. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... Yes, but this thing says never share those kind of things. I I would disagree. That is so weird that you would never share that with your partner once you're married, have kids, all that, you know, that you would never share that. Then why are you married, dude? Yeah. Again, there there's a, the recurring theme here of the tipping point. Apparently, the first six months, this all should be no-nos or whatever. But then after that, at some point, I can't imagine marrying somebody with something in my closet that I'm afraid if it came out someday. You know, anyone I started a relationship with now, by the way, I've documented my entire life on the first 106 episodes of this podcast. <laughs> so, you know, it could all come flying out one day if my next person is like, hey, I, I do want to go back and listen to all those shows. And I'm like, no, 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 don't. <laughs> Let's have a talk first because I got a few things to share, you know? Like, and as we've learned, dude, that there is, there is a time period where someone you may be dating is fine with listening all to all of that. But there's a tipping point for that, too, that maybe, oh, I don't like listening to that anymore. You know, I don't want to hear about that stuff. Right. Uh, how about this? Your frenemy list. Don't share your frenemy list with your person. I what think maybe kind of like ripping on your friends ex. that are enemies or what? Yeah, your friends that are enemies, people you know that I'm friends with them, but I really don't like them. I think it's similar to ripping on ex-girlfriends or whatever. Like, does it just show that you're a, a hateful person if you're sharing these things? But yeah, I don't have frenemies. I, I mean, I have enemies and I have friends. I, I'm not fake that way, so it's not a problem for me. Well, yeah. have you ever had a coworker though that you know you're friendly with because you work together? But like the guy we were talking about in Seattle, there was a racist that was calling Jimi Hendrix the N word and stuff. <laughs> we were all friendly because we worked mm. together, but you know, I'm That's not going to go point. actually hang out with this guy. So I don't know. Do you do you share some of the uh, secrets you're sitting on with your friends? 
No, I mean, you know what, uh, uh, Brewski, tell me who said this. Smart people talk about ideas, and dim-witted people, they talk about other people. I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt said Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, but the th- deal is, is that, you know, that just makes you sound petty. I got other important things to talk to you about. So, yeah, frenemies, no, it's not on my list of things to talk about. What about exes? I've had some relationships where you're very open about all of the crappy things that have been done to you. And, and you know, the same woman I keep referencing. I mean, we had punching bags of exes that we talked about a lot. And I've come to realize, like, that probably should have been a big fucking red flag to me because you're going to be on that <laughs> side of the fence one of these days. Yeah. There can be select things that, like, if you guys do end up together, I think at some point in time you can draw and say, you know what, in, in a past relationship, this happened to me, so this really bothers me. I think you can do it like that. But getting together to just bag on people and talk shit, I think that it feeds the conversation for a little while and might be entertaining, but in the long run, it's a waste of time and doesn't make you come off very good. Yeah. This is something I'm struggling with currently moving into new relationships. You know, I I've had some pretty crappy things happen to me with exes and part of me feels like that's sort of the story of my life and you can't really understand what I've been through. So I feel like maybe it's okay to share these stories once and be done. But if you're, circling back and constantly making that person a punching bag, constantly bringing up exes. That's got to be too much. I don't even know if you need to bring them up once, dude. I, I don't, it's, I, I feel like you might feel like, uh, that you need to be absolved. Just get it out of the way and say this. Yeah. Uh, so we can move forward and then, you, you know, we're done. We're good. But I don't even know that you need to bring it up until it's relevant. Yeah. Yeah, this show was really created to catch 22 for me because my inclination right now is my past is my past. My life is ahead of me. I don't want to talk about that crap, but it's all out there on the interweb for somebody to go discover. And that's them taking that step. If you want to go listen to it, then sure, let's talk about it. But I'm not going to sit here and bring it all up. You're completely right. You know, uh, that way, if they want to do that, you know, it is what it is. Like, you went and opened up Pandora's box. Uh, I can tell you about it if you want me to. But, like, this is where we're at right now. Let's just do this. Yeah. And I am struggling with this podcast. I either need to tell people immediately and just go ahead and listen to it if you think I'm an asshole, then don't even bother, versus getting a few months in, getting someone to know me a little better so they have some context of who I really am. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, it's like... Am I keeping a secret? How come you didn't tell me about it? It's a major part of your life. And that's the other problem. This show is a major part of my life. Both of you are. It's hard for me to be out talking about my life and letting someone get to know me without referencing, oh, yeah, this podcast thing I do. Like, well, what's the podcast? Like, it's tough, dude. It's, it is. I don't envy the position to be in because, obviously, we all share our lives, you know, for better or for worse. It doesn't affect me, really. I mean, maybe I might be like, oh, a friend here or something, you know, that I need to explain, but not a romantic interest. Like, that's really tough, dude. Yeah. 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 
This was never a problem in the good old radio days because if you weren't listening live, it was all gone and never repeated again. But this podcast thing where it's just sitting on the internet for all time to come, that's that's tricky. There was yeah, something great about that. Can you just can you pull them? I mean, let's just say that, uh, you know, oh, we just release a podcast. Get it while it's hot. You got one week. <laughs> I guess we could, but I feel like I'm shooting us in the foot then. Like we're, we need to have content out there and be on episode yeah. 200 or whatever. Totally. It's kind of weird if you're on episode so 200 and there's only three on spotify to listen to yeah know? no i get it and then if you refer to something back about five or six episodes ago and they're like oh that really interests me but now yeah. i can't go back and listen to it so now you're it's incomplete totally and like yeah. we talked about super fan like we have a couple of fans that have gone they're listening from the start because they want to know the whole saga they don't want to miss things and yeah and I see that too on our analytics. Some people will find our show, but they'll scroll through and find a title about something that they're interested in. May have been 50 episodes ago, but that's what they right. want to download. We were talking about dirt bikes or whatever it was, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, it makes pretty- it tough. Well, and speaking of that, I have a quick, I just want to call Nick out on something here. because. Oh, I was recently scrolling through our TikTok page, you know, listening to going back through some of our old videos. And I stumbled on the one about Nick admitting that he, uh, on a day on the daily, I think was your quote that you pee outside in your yard at your house there. Truth. Okay. Well, I admitted a couple episodes ago that I'll go in my backyard and shave my pubes and you were shocked and offended by it. <laughs> we're both doing the same thing. We're exposing our junk outside in our backyards. I don't strip naked to shave my pubes. So what's the uh, difference? We're both whipping our junk out in our own yards. Uh, because I, I I have no one around me, dude. I don't no. either. Yeah. That's my point. You do. You have a next-door neighbor. You have people that walk around that neighborhood. Yeah. The, I'm in a blackout zone out there. You're in either house next to me, which by the way are both rentals or second. No, you can't see me. And the street above me, same thing. I'm in this little zone where I'm in a blackout. You cannot see me unless there, you're in my house. And I wouldn't do it if someone was home. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we talked about a drone. Like, uh, yeah, I can't oh, even see. Can see I can't you. see this. No, I can't see the sky, dude. I have too many trees on my property. The canopy there. Well, yeah, I okay. do the pubes under a tree, so I don't, I'm not worried about drones <laughs> either. I told Rachel, I was like, "He believe harness uh, trims his pubes outside," and she was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Oh, you haven't heard of the podcast yet." And so, just randomly, she's be like. Oh, there's there's the pube guy, you know, impersonating people walking by. <laughs> I was like, yeah. he swears up and down. You can't see anything. But this will be the thing that bites me in the ass. It's not me railing <laughs> on religion or politics. Some woman I'm in love with is going to come to me and be like, you fucking shave your pube? <laughs> I am done. Oh, oh, so funny, dude. I do pee outside every day. You know, I do multiple times a day. I, I, I only I, do this once every three months, so there's yeah. a you know a ratio. You're doing it on the daily, exposing yourself outside. At least I'm yeah. doing it quarterly. I've also taken poops outside, right? I mean, yeah. so yeah, I mean, exactly. you're in a better spot than me. I can. I see. think you should get off your moral high horse and come down. <laughs> notch, okay, okay. I I apologize. I want to say that I am sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you don't have to say it, Bruce. Oh, I'm them. sorry. Oh, nice. Very nice. All right. Well, I guess what I'm learning from this is I have no idea what to share and when to share it ever. So I'm still confused. But here we go. The, here, don't share too soon. If it's a topic, okay, and too soon means wait six yeah, what months. What does that mean? If it's a question, dude, wait at least six months. Well, what if yeah, I said I love you already? What if, if I say I love a- you after three months? I wait for my secrets for six months? Yes. 
Oh, okay. Well, it's, if, if there's a question in your mind that this might ruin some sort of pro, or that it's not comfortable to talk about, then I would say wait until it is comfortable to talk about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So, so when I'm yeah. out at Starbucks next week, don't bring up shaving pubes outside. I Well, depending on your audience, dude. It also <laughs> depends on your audience. All right. All right. Well, I'm still a little confused, but I hear what you're saying on some level that most of this stuff in the first phase, whatever, whether that's three months or six, whatever, I guess your number is, is a no-no. But at some point, you got to share some of these things. But I'm just wondering what it, there's got to be some things we've just discussed that just don't ever need to come up, period. None of your business. It's in the past. Totally. Some of the relationship stuff. If it doesn't affect you moving forward, like, you know, oh, this, you've been really hurt by this, so this is going to trigger you in this next relationship, I don't think you need to necessarily bring it up. I mean, Uh, we've all had a past, right? So the only. You share the trigger, but not the backstory. There you go. Mm. Yeah. And again, and then if they want to know more out of you, it's them asking. And also, this is my final thought, uh, Maury Povich, uh, Jerry Springer. This is my final thought. You douchebag, that you take something that I tell you, and it, when I was no, you take something that I tell you, and you're um, vulnerable with you, yeah. and you throw it in my face, even one time. Like, I mean, that is a big sign, dude, because that is solely intended to hurt you and maybe destroy you a little bit. Yes, that's how it's been done before. So maybe I should plan some fake stories just to see what she'll throw in my face. So (laughs) it should be like, oh, man, why isn't this bothering him? (laughs) Well, good luck, dude. Cautiously optimistic. Yes, that's right. And Brewski. Uh, you're done with dating. When is this Vegas trip for you? April. Okay. Coming up in April. Yep. I see you with a little lady down there, especially in those new custom clothes, dude, and those nice watches. Come on. I think it's going to be good. We'll see what happens. happens. This is the year for good fortune for the vocal minority gentlemen here. So, you know, keep your eye open. That's That's right. Moving forward. Uh, the Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve, Ola Bruski. That's who we are. We do the podcast, a couple of episodes each and every week, and we have a website too. Yeah, thevocalminority.net. And we're on all the relevant social medias. Go find us and uh, don't scroll back too far if you and I are going on a date on your <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah, just leave it alone, dude. Leave a good thing alone. Yeah. Bruski, please do it. Goodbye, Bruski. And we say bye bye. Test one, two, test one, two. Stop. Hi, I'm John Ledbetter. I'm going to love Nick and Steve all over their backs and bottoms. What is the vocal minority? Dumbass trying to be clear.